Imagine a world without waste. Imagine if you can make products and packaging right every time. It's possible with the help of SpecRite, the first cloud-based platform for specification data management. You can track and report on material usage year over year, run LCAs with the click of a button, and comply with new packaging regulations like EPR and the UK plastics tax. Go to specrite.com backslash sustainability to learn more. Hey, thanks, Laura. Everybody, please also go check out Spectrite's podcast, Beyond the Shelf with Laura Foti, F-O-T-I. It's a wonderful podcast, again, about packaging. There's so many cool content creators out there, and Laura is certainly one of them. Also, we'd love to have you come and check out the Specrite Packaging Specifications Summit in Austin, Texas, January of 2024. I will be there along with Corey Connors, host of Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and Avelio Matos host of Packaging Unboxed podcast. Laura will be there. There There's so many folks who are there in the packaging industry. It is a tremendous, tremendous time and a great place. Again, all these links will be down in the show notes, including joining myself, Corey and Avelio, every single Monday morning on LinkedIn and on YouTube for Packaging Today. We break down the news, but we also have fun, tell jokes, Uh, We enjoy each other. It's a building and blossoming community there of packaging people. And everyone is a packaging person. Everyone is a packaging buyer. And everybody is welcome on the Packaging Today show. Again, click the link. You can get notified on it on LinkedIn or on YouTube. And the packaging community continues to grow with my next guest. Let's get right to the interview. All right, everybody. I am here fulfilling dreams. Uh, I reached out. I reached out to uh, Allison Kane and I asked her if uh, this was number, I think, did I say 963 or something like that on your bucket list? 900s, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, she agreed that she has a bucket list that is that long and one of them was be a guest on a packaging podcast. So here we are. I'm uh, I'm basically delivering one of those large checks um, <laughs> at her door. <laughs> Uh, but I am joined here by Allison Kane. Allison is the founder of Haven's Kitchen, and I also found out a fellow parent to five children uh, that are within a short time period like I have. And so we were chatting about that a little bit. And so we're going to get into all sorts of stuff. What is Haven's Kitchen, the rad packaging that you have, the story, all of it. Allison, thank you so much and welcome to the podcast. Adam, I just thank you so much for making my dream come true. Um, And I actually, it's funny because I actually am really psyched to talk about our packaging because it is a huge differentiator for us. I don't think we get enough credit for it, honestly. Um, And I'd love to educate people a little bit on the power of the pouch. Sweet. Well, I can tell you this is the audience. I mean, imagine somebody has subscribed know, it's to a podcast a about packaging and they're listening to us right now. And they're like, yes, we're going to nerd out about pouches. Yes. I'm psyched. They're, they're so psyched. Well, before we get to the pouches and yeah. before we get into all of that, uh, let's talk about every, every person <laughs> and every company has some kind of a story, right? For sure. What is what is the origin story? What led you to this to be like, I need to make a company? Yes. Go. Well, 
Um, so like you said, I had five children in eight years and I spent my first, however many years of their lives raising them at home. Um, I had been in urban planning before I had children and I was always interested in how policy decisions and human behavior kind of interact and sort of the alchemy of that. And also always a very avid home cook. Um, and I taught cooking to friends and friends of friends starting in high school, college, one baby, two baby, three babies more. And when my youngest um, went to nursery school, I started a program at NYU in food systems. Um, I thought maybe I was going back into public policy or, you know, sort of more health oriented, um, that world, I, I wasn't that sold on it. I didn't necessarily want to work for the government again. Um, and what ended up happening was because I had to get an internship, which you can imagine with five kids under 12 or whatever it was at that point, uh, seemed pretty crazy. I ended up getting an internship at the Union Square Green Market, giving tours to classes of five-year-olds all the way through seniors in high school. Um, I was still teaching cooking, but now I was talking about food policy, the farm bill, hunger issues, animal issues, the environment, all of it, and started really making connections between cooking and um, the larger food system. And then I decided to open a little school. And I didn't think of it as a company so much as I thought of it as a school um, where people who just wanted to learn how to make dinner and go to the market and know how to roast a vegetable that wasn't necessarily something they had grown up seeing at the grocery store, um, where they learned how to do that and do it confidently and creatively and enjoy themselves doing it. Because I think you probably agree with me when you have this many kids, you know a couple of things about human behavior. One of them is if you say you should cook more often because it's good for you and the environment, that is not necessarily going to motivate people. 100%. But if you say, here's how to make an absolutely beautiful, delicious plate of roasted veggies that you can take a picture of and show off to everyone you know, it's a little bit more tantalizing. Um, yep. And so that basically grew into our students saying, we love this chimichurri, we love this romesco, can you please just put it in, you know, court containers at the front and we can just buy them because they're not hard to make, but they take a lot of time. And sauce is hard because it's balancing and, you know, lots of ingredients. Um, I was not comfortable putting things out into the world in big plastic containers. I was not comfortable putting things in glass bottles, um, despite sort of the, you know, the, um, I think simplified understanding of glass by the American consumer. Yep. Um, and so we started putting them in pouches. Got it. And then we were in about 3000 stores across the country, um, launching a new product line in January, also in pouches. Uh, and, and that closed the school in 2020 because of COVID, but the, you know, the CPG company really took off. Got it. That's, uh, 
I'm sure there's a lot of stories there. I, as you were talking, I just kept thinking, um, first of all, I've spent a decent amount of time in New York City. I, I love the I love the city. I love the energy. I love the diversity. I even love the as weird right. as it is, like the smells and the yeah. of the city. I just uh, and but raising five children in the city, yeah, having five kids is just you should get some sort of like lifetime superhero achievement award, yeah, just for that. And now you know you've got you've got also this uh, this great CPG company. You've been teaching people. You've participated in public policy. Awesome, right? So. The, so the company started mm -hmm. because of the school is what it mm -hmm. sounds like. So is during the school, are you teaching how to make sauces mm -hmm. or sauces were part of the overall recipe or kind of both? All right, let me just jump in here real quickly because this is super exciting. Uh, my wife and I and our kids came out with this book, Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation. It took us a couple of years to write. We spent a lot of time in illustrating and all that. It's finally out. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at mascotbooks.com. There's a link down in the show notes that you can click. We wrote it because I was trying to describe to my kids you know, what it's like. And there's all these children's books out there about various different industries and about various different jobs. We wanted people in our industry to have a book to be able to relate to their kids with. So go pick it up, please. It would mean so much to support us. Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Let's get back into this interview. Both. I mean, you know, the I have a cookbook that was published in 2017. There's a whole chapter on sauce. Our chimichurri that you will find in the store is basically that recipe, you know, in the cookbook. Um, you know, sauce makes the meal pretty much. If you talk to people who want to cook more from home, you know, the number one thing that they say is, well, you know, I make chicken breasts once a week and I make a salmon once a week and I make a pasta. You know, there's only so many things in everyone's repertoire and people get bored and they get tired. And the person who is responsible for cooking for them, you know, their family doesn't get um, kind of enough credit most often, you know, and they feel like I've slaved away and I've made this thing and everyone just kind of eats it in four seconds. And, you know, it's a pain in the neck, just getting people to come to the table for dinner. And, you know, so get off their phones. Exactly. So, you know, the sauce is actually this sort of amazing little engine, right? It brings you flavor. It gives you something new and different. It, it can connect you to global flavors that you might not be that comfortable cooking with, like lemongrass, right? I mean, and it also is, it's a big time consumer. So having something that is truly better for you, really made with a lot of integrity and love, um, you know, that saves you time and energy. Sorry. Okay. Was that a, was that a landline phone? Yeah. Incredible. I love it. Thank you. Sorry. I, when my kid real quickly, when my kids wanted to, they wanted a cell phone uh -huh. and we went, I took my old phone from my parents' house cause they still had it. Uh huh hooked up a line through T-Mobile to the phone. And I said, here, you can call your friends. And they were like, huh? What? Yeah. 
their phone numbers. You got to write it down. And if you want to talk to them, you can pick up the phone and you can call them. And they were so annoyed. And then they kind of started to miss it once I got. <laughs> yeah. What this... is this thing? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's kind of, it's connected to my doorbell. So, um, sorry. It's oh, fine. Don't worry about it. No, no, um, apologize for life happening in the yeah. middle of your bucket <laughs> My list. dog is probably going to start barking too. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of this like amazing engine, you know, it saves you time, it saves you money. And then my, my big sort of what I really wanted to do, what my real mission is, is like the more people that cook at home, the better, period. It's good for you. It's good for your community. It's good for the environment. They make better choices. It's just this, it's like a juggernaut, right? And so how do I get these pouches to be almost like, me in their homes. And so that was where I, you know, it was all about content, all about not only taking the, the work out of making dinner, but taking the mental work out of thinking what to make for dinner, thinking about making a shopping list, thinking about all that stuff that gets in the way where people are just like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to order in. That was what I was really trying to do. Got it. That makes so much sense. I, I as you're kind of talking, um, first of all, you're an author. That's incredible. And uh, we'll give you a chance. I'll, I'll make sure that there's like a link. Can, can people still buy the cookbook? Is it still available? Yes, you can still yeah. buy it. Sweet. I, I don't know how many people are, but yes, it's a good, hey. it's a very good cookbook. Critically acclaimed cookbook. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so I'll make sure there's a link down there in the, in the notes for the podcast for people to buy it. But when I, I've been able to go to, to Southern India five mm. times and I've got a, a good friend, him and his wife live there. They run an orphanage and a school and it's, it's a, it's a wonderful community and they always cook for like every time I'm there mm. and the, the flavors and the richness and it's yep. so much of it is in the sauce and in the curry and in Absolutely. the preparation and I'll watch them. They'll both do the cooking and they've come over here to visit us in the U S and we'll go out to a market and it's not quite the same, but it's, mm -hmm. it's still pretty close. You know, there's some things that they just, right. they, they go by at their local market and, but being, but you're right. Cause I'm watching this and this is an all day thing to make yeah. just the, just the curry, the rice yep. is quick. The chicken can be relatively quick, the sauce. but it's the sauce that is probably that just that, uh, Tie the binds. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And the, re and the reason why people probably don't want to eat out or right. why they want to eat out. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Is because there's, there's almost like instant flavor. I know yes. I can go to fill in the blank. I can just order from the Thai food restaurant yeah. and then it shows up in 45 minutes and a boom, I have delicious Thai food. I right. can probably get the noodles. I can probably grill the chicken. I can probably get the vegetables. And you right. more coconut cashew sauce, which has you know, all of those basic flavors of Southeast Asian cooking that people come to be familiar with the lemongrass and the ginger and the makrut lime. And, you know, those are, those are challenging ingredients for people to access. And we, and, you know, we've never been sort of, you know, we make a romesco sauce, for instance, it's three different types of roasted peppers, you know, it's in my cookbook. You have to roast the peppers. Like who's doing that? And then you blend them and then you add in a dash of vinegar and you get the viscosity you need. And by the way, if you make that at home, it lasts like three days in your fridge. 
So it's all of this work, right? And the payoff just isn't really there for a lot of home cooks. That's why you had this, I mean, I opened my cooking school in 2012. It was the same year that Blue Apron and Plated launched. There was this promise of the meal kit, right? The promise just never really, it just never really panned out because it's not just the time that, that home cooks want to save. It's this feeling. I made this. I feel good about it. I don't feel overwhelmed by this. This gives me joy. And going back to the pouches, you know, certainly a large part of that decision to put them in pouches was because of my sort of, you know, education and sustainability. But the other big piece of it is, you know, again, going back to like giving, giving home cooks, cooking can be beautiful. I mean, you're talking about Southern India, like in certain parts of the world, the kitchen is an altar. Yep. It is safe haven. It is a, it is romantic. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sanctuary, you know, and, and, and why is that? Because it makes people feel fulfilled and it gives people community. And, it, and with that, you get this sort of like flow and creativity. And, and so, you know, to me, trying to like jack some sauce out of like a jar and like scooping it with your knife and trying, you know, that's not as fun as just like squeezing something that looks like finger paint onto your chicken, you know? Yeah. I love it. I uh, I was actually talking with my wife about this the other day, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But there there's a diff there's a big difference between um, creating and consuming, right? So yeah. uh, every animal that we are aware of has the ability to consume, um, and, and including humans, we're obviously really great at consuming. Yes, um, yes. And but there's very few, and I would even argue that humans are are stand alone in the fact that we want to create beauty. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are animals that create habitat for survival, right. but we create art and music and intentionally, you know, we, we want, we want beautiful presentation yep. on, on our food. And, you know, like you're talking about being in the kitchen and having the, the artistry and the creativity and, you know, for like people who are, uh, you know, Jewish or, um, or, or like Christian background, like in, in Genesis and Torah and in, in the Bible, like the first it's the most divine attribute in the beginning god created right and so there's something really beautiful about that and i i really love that you actually took the packaging and the aesthetics of how does that how does that enable participation in yeah. beauty not just in like is our packaging beautiful there's a lot right. of focus on that but delivering a a beautiful experience yeah. to the people who are using it. I think that's wonderful. I had actually never even thought of, I've never heard anybody put it that way when it came to, this is why we have a spouted pouch. Not one time has somebody said that, and I love it. Well, thank you. There's there's another little piece of the of the story, which is that my mother, when she retired, she built herself a painting studio. And she loves, loves, loves painting. And I think you can hear someone singing on my street right now. So welcome <laughs> to New York. Um, and every time, you know, I would go in there and I would sort of sit while she was painting and we would talk and I would find myself like playing with these pouches of oil paints. And I had this thought in my head every time, like, I want to get a canvas. Maybe I should be a painter. 
I'm not a painter, Adam. There's no part of me. Like I am not an artist, trust me. But I had this like sneaking suspicion that maybe there was this untapped talent inside of me that these pouches made me feel. It was, it was this visceral feeling. And I thought so much of the reason I taught cooking for so many years, and I can't tell you how many people would walk into the kitchen and put their arm out and say, I just so you know, I can't even boil an egg. I, I can't even make a potter. I'm terrible. You know, oh, this, this like defensive feeling. And I was thinking like, what about turning that defensive feeling into like, ooh, maybe, maybe I'm a chef. Maybe there's, maybe I just don't know it. And I'm incredibly gifted at cooking salmon you know, that's what I want to evoke for people. It's called Haven's Kitchen, right? Like yeah. It, the, the idea is that, you know, it's a haven, right? You feel good. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah no, nobody's like, I'm going, I'm going to go to my haven where I'm going to pout. Right. It's like you, you, maybe right. you enter into it in that feeling, but the idea is to elevate yourself out of that. So, exactly. um, okay. So you, you've got the school, you decide on, you're going to put it in this pouch. And then I'm sure it was super easy and you just knew exactly what you were going to do and how you were going to fill it. And then you just started, you were just in 3000 stores. And, yeah. like, and every store was like, please, exactly. Please, your God, give us your product. Yes. Yeah. Everyone's just knocking on your door. You can't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably was a little bit more challenging than that. So <laughs> the, so you decide on the pouch and, and if, if you want to talk about the sustainability nature of it, cause you kind of hinted at, like we're not, we're not in glass and obviously, you know, there's the aesthetic portion, but yeah. um, I've said this many times on LinkedIn before that I can tell somebody a problem with every form of packaging because all packaging eventually ends up yep. as trash. Yep. I mean, eventually that's, it doesn't matter how often it gets recycled. Eventually yep. it ends up getting upside. It, it becomes something that you've created yep. My friend Avelio says, on a long enough timeline, it all ends up in the landfill. Yeah. And glass is no exception, right? I mean, yeah. So I maybe mean, talk talk about that decision to yeah. go to go into flexible pouches. Well, the first decision was, you know, when I first opened the cooking school, um, we made a granola that was like knock your socks off granola. And um, people started around holiday time wanting us to, you know, send it to their friends and family as a gift. And for the first two years, I wouldn't because I just sent the recipe. And I was like, I can't ship something across the country in good faith. And clearly, clearly I've evolved a little bit or devolved depending on how you put it. But I mean, the first decision was, am I making a fast moving packaged good you know, a, a consumable product in a package that is going to, as you said, regardless of how many times someone refills it, maybe, and wherever they put it, although like what, 22% of glass is actually recycled or whatever it is, um, eventually turn out to your point as trash. And to me, these sauces are, you know, I don't have the bandwidth or the resources to do a true life cycle study, but I would venture to guess that the amount of 
ingredients, you know, our ginger miso, it has mirin, it has sesame oil, it has, um, you know, gluten-free soy sauce. It has, it has miso. It, by the time you get done with all of those ingredients and it's in one pouch, I feel okay about making the product. Mm -hmm. And I, again, feel like the larger mission is if people cook more often, I'm not solving for packaging compared to other grocery store stuff. I'm solving for packaging compared to all of the plastic stuff from takeout and everything, you know, all the containers and stuff like that. So it was a little bit of a, um, you know, I had to kind of get over myself a little bit, but then when it came to, you know, pouches versus there was no way I was ever doing a hard plastic bottle. I just, that to me was off the table. The glass thing was really about fuel and emissions and, you know, the, the weight. And, mm -hmm. and the reality is, is that, you know, I think there's uh, the statistic is like, volume per, you know, to volume pouches to glass, it's about 26 to one in terms of how many trucks you would need to yep. transport the same volume in glass as you do in pouches. They are easy to pack. They're, you know, they don't break to use your expression from before. Blessed are the flexible for they yes. shall be broken. Yes. I mean, yeah. I think I'm going to put that on my everything. And when, <laughs> if and when they do end up in landfill, they obviously take up a lot less space, like some, you know, much less space. We also partnered um, with TerraCycle so that if people are really, you know, want to guarantee that that pouch turns into a dock or a playground, we pay for it. Um but, you know, there's, I think people have been taught to think rather, like rather reductively. There's a bin, it has a thing on it. That means if I put it in that bin, it will magically be recycled. Um, we know that that's not the case at this point. I think people are starting to understand that that is not the case at this point. Yep. Well, I'm thinking about inputs like plastic and water. I'm thinking about travel, freight, emissions breakage. And then I'm thinking about, you know, at the end of life, um, you know, just much less landfill. So to yep. me, it was a, it was a no brainer. Yeah. I, I, I a hundred percent agree. And this, this sometimes will get me, I, I don't want to say in trouble, but I end up in uh positive tension conversations about this because, uh, if you know for example if you have your your spouted pouches and they're all they're all unfilled and yep. they're sitting in a box and that box is in a warehouse at a co-packer or however yep. however you make it you can probably i don't know maybe you can fit 50,000 pouches on a pallet yep versus that amount of glass yep that might be unlabeled so you have the you have the labels you know rolls of labels and then you have the pallets of glass yep and then it, it's it, it it's not hard to start to do the to do the math here. Yes. And I'm sure people have done the math before. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you've got the the thing I've always said is that there's the most sustainable thing that we can do in the packaging industry is protect the product. Yeah. Um, we need to be concerned about end of life. We ought to be, we really ought to be concerned about, you know, the carbon emissions of the manufacturing and all that. But you start talking about all these ingredients coming in from various parts of the world. 
Mm. And and you put it all into a thing only to have like to spend all of this time and money and effort and and energy and carbon and all that to make this beautiful product only to have the packaging fail yep. or to have the product expire like you mentioned after three days mm-hmm. and and be and have to go off the shelf into the landfill it's like yeah. that packaging is not sustainable yeah. even if that packaging were able to yeah. be recycled it doesn't it help is. our environment I mean, I don't remember the statistic because the last time I looked was like 2014, but just the amount of breakage that happens in glass jars. There is so much food waste. And I even think about food waste, like you can get every last drop out of a pouch. You squeeze it, you push it down, you push it out, right? Get a what's, roller pin. Just Exactly. I mean, you know, like what's left in a in a glass jar? Like these are things that I think people you know, have been trained candidly not to think too much about. I I think now, and y'all know more than I do, but I have noticed that the beauty industry is leaning really hard into refills and the refills are inevitably in spouted pouches. Yep. If they're, if that is their environmental solution then it seems like there is sort of the consumer might be starting to understand that there is something about pouches that is maybe more sustain, you know, sustainable than the hard plastic. I'm shocked at the amount of hard, very rigid plastic squeezy bottles there are in the grocery market. Like it is a sea and, and we just look totally different. In the fresh area where we currently are, we're up against a lot of glass, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense for, I think, a lot of those products. But in in our new category that we're going into, everything is in a hard plastic bottle. And mm. it it's amazing to me. I was I was talking to um, a guy named, uh, well, he's from Vita5, and they mm-hmm. put gummy vitamins into flexible pouches. Mm-hmm. And they, they put on there, they say, we use 90% less plastic. Yep. And and that's by weight, right? So there is certainly you know, the, the flexible, every flexible packaging person who's listening to this is like, yes. Yeah. There are um, not that many. And, and if you are a flexible packaging person listening to this, we need, we need a better supply chain. <laughs> it's, we need, we need more people making them. We need the process to become a little bit less clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, we need them to be a little bit less expensive. You know, we don't get any credit. I mean, our pouches are I, I don't, 10 times more expensive than a glass jar. I mean, I don't know what a glass jar is, but. Well, uh, you, just, you, you did answer your own question, though, about I see all of these, you know, these uh, rigid plastic containers with a label on it. Oftentimes that is a cost and an availability. And, you know, if you're an emerging brand or you're just starting out. And I mean, I went through this, I was helping my son start a men's skincare product. And I just, I love packaging. I host a packaging podcast and I was like looking at the numbers and I was like, it looks like we'll just use the stock tube and a label. Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't know we are not at any kind of scale. Right. I ordered 740 of them, but at the same time, I, I, I understood why in those moments, business owners make these decisions for sure because you're just trying to get your product out. You're just, and yeah. And so I, I think it's, I think it's cool 
that you not only got your product out, but that you've stayed true because really that that product offering in a spouted pouch is only going to come down in price, get more people involved if more people stay committed to it like you have been. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there there are two things that I want to sort of add on to what you just said. Um, You know, one is that I think the the consumer has been trained and has developed the muscle of paying for premium ingredients. I don't necessarily think the consumer has been trained to pay a premium for fair labor practices. I don't necessarily think they've been trained to pay for better for you, you know, packaging. Um, I, I think those things are probably coming eventually. You know, some people talk about it. I'm not sure they know exactly what that means. Um, but, you know, we don't get any, you know, our cogs are our cogs, our margin is our margin, and we don't see any consumer uh, willingness to be like, you know what? Great for the pouch. I'll pay an extra dollar, you know? So um, maybe one day we will, but, you know, fortunately we've made really good partnerships with co-packers and, you know, we're, we're thoughtful about our ingredients and things like that. So it's, it works out okay. I think the second thing is that it's also been a real asset in the sense that we're the sauce in a pouch. I mean, that's how people think of us. They might not even know the name Haven's Kitchen. They just know, oh, that chimichurri in a pouch. Yeah. And it also has built a little bit of a moat around us, right? Not only from other um, CPG companies, but from private label, right? They're not going to spend that money. They're not, they, their margins are way too important to them. Right. So, you know, I think it's been, it's been a liability in some ways, but I think more often it's been an asset. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, I mean, it makes a ton of sense and I'm excited to go see it. I, I'm hoping there's a retail location here. Is there one in Salt Lake city you think of that I could I go mean, to, or do you have like a store locator on your website or something? We, do. we have a store locator. I think, do you have a whole foods in Salt Lake city? Yes. Or a sprouts? Both. Yeah. Well, we're in both. Okay. I'm on it. Um, I will 100%, I will 100% do that because I, the reason why I love, I mean, obviously online is cool and the, the pouches help with D to C, um, you know, yeah. shipping and all that kind of stuff. But the, there is an aesthetic mm-hmm. eye catching, our, our eyes are trained to notice things that are different. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how it, how it plays on shelf. Yeah. I'm guessing it's really positive set against the backdrop of everything else i'm always drawn to i saw this in a pickle company the other day yeah there was a pickle company that had they were in a stand-up pouch and everything else was in a glass jar mm-hmm. I made a tiktok video about it and there were people who were like oh that's kind of cool but i don't know if i'd buy it i was like but i bet you'd see it yep and that is oftentimes half the battle on a retail shelf is you see it then if you pick it up it's almost it, it's not quite a wrap but it's pretty close. If you've got good ingredients, if you've got a good story to tell, if someone stops and they look, you got their attention. If they pick it up, the purchase price of that or the, the purchase history of that situation is a lot higher. Clearly yeah. than if they don't pick it up, nobody's teleporting it with their brain into their 
shopping cart. Yeah. There's yeah. like a 10 foot, three foot, three inches or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think we definitely pop. And the good news for us also is that we do tend to be, you know, because we don't have a category exactly. And we, and we're in different sets depending on the stores, which again can be challenging. We do tend to be next to sauerkraut a lot and pickles a lot. So we're sort of this like rainbow on the shelf. Um, and the rainbow comes from the colors of the sauce, which is really groovy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, I think it has served us well. I think going into conventional channel, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the fresh product does, you know, I think we're a little bit ahead of the curve. And so we just need retailers and consumers to, to catch up a little bit to the, to the brand promise, but that's why we're launching the shelf stable line also, because it's going to be require less consumer education still in a pouch. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think before we got on, I said, uh, 25 minutes, 30 <laughs> tops, if we're having a really awesome conversation and we're entering into minute 35, which means We've had a really awesome conversation. And I even have more, I have more questions. I have more to talk about. Uh, I would even love to, you know, at some point next year, if you're doing yourself shelf stable, have you back on and we can talk about that. But uh, I do want to, I do want to wrap it up and give you a chance to plug your product. Where can they go buy it? Obviously Whole Foods, Sprouts, but yep. it's your time to, to plug away. Yeah, thanks. I mean, the best thing to do is go to our website, havenskitchen.com. We have a store locator. We also have 500 recipes with shopping lists that you can text to yourself while you're in the store so you never forget the scallions. Um, we have a YouTube channel, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, etc. cetera. Um, but the website is sort of the home base for everything. I love it. I'll make sure to grab all those little things so that someone's you know driving around or if you're walking or maybe you're cooking right now and you're listening to this podcast and you can you can just click it and then you figure out what it is you want to do yeah. i love that you have i love that you have textable yeah textable shopping list because i'm yes. that would be me i'd be like okay i don't know what, i want to do that boom okay i gotta go get this and then i'm out that's that's brilliant thank you well thanks allison i appreciate you coming on and hopefully, hopefully we can connect up uh, again soon. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, Adam. Super fun. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.